Good Monday morning. It's kind of odd for us to come to you on Monday morning, but we had some technical difficulties yesterday and uh, internet problems. And uh, that's the bad thing about technology sometimes is we're not always in control of that. Uh, but we wanted to take the service because uh, our online folks are important to us and we know that that's how you stay connected with the church, and we appreciate you taking time each week to uh, to listen to our services, and uh, we apologize for yesterday. Uh, we know you get excited on Sunday mornings, like we do, to worship the Lord, and uh, and so forgive us of yesterday, and uh, thank you for tuning in today. At the end of this service, we'll observe the Lord's Supper. Uh, we were able to do that yesterday, and uh, we'll do it at the end of this service today. Uh, we're in a series called uh, You Can't Be Doing That. Uh, preventing the spread of cultural Christianity. And again, cultural Christianity is just, some people think they're Christians just because they go to church or maybe their parents went to church or or they're good people. Uh, lots of reasons. Uh, and yet they're not really followers of Jesus. There's a difference between being an, an admirer of Jesus and being a follower of Jesus. And so uh, we're going to talk about this morning being a, a true follower of Jesus. Now, I shared there, there was a middle-aged farmer who felt called into ministry, and he started seminary, and uh, after a few months of studies, he was having a really hard time. And uh, finally, the dean called him into his office to, to counsel with him, and he said, what, what, and what uh, made you think you should go into ministry to start with? And the farmer said, well, I was out in the field one day, and, and I had this vision, and I looked up in the sky, and I saw PC, and I felt like the Lord was calling me to preach Christ. Well, the dean said, well, sir, you, you know, you don't have to go to ministry to preach Christ and to tell others about Jesus. And did you ever stop and think maybe those initials PC meant to plant corn? And, uh, and so uh, following Jesus, I'm in Matthew chapter 8. And uh, I'm going to read verses 18 through 22. And then we'll turn over to chapter 9 after, after that. But chapter uh, 8 Verse 18, now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side, and a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have hoes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Follow me, and leave the dead to bury their own dead. And so, Father, we pray you would bless your word, uh, even in this time, and uh, speak to us about what it means to follow after Jesus. Thank you for dying for us and providing a way for us to be saved, and all your promises, we, we thank you for them, and uh, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So one of Matthew's themes in his gospel is, is really laying out what it means to follow after Jesus, and so we come to this passage, and and Jesus' popularity is increasing. Uh, he's teaching. Uh, he's healing people, performing miracles. Lots of people were coming, and, and some would come up to Jesus and say, I, I want to be your disciple. And uh, they probably thought it was pretty cool to follow Jesus. And uh, I mean, he could cleanse the lepers, and he could give sight to the blind, and he could raise the dead, and he could cast out demons. And, and so uh, some people were just fascinated with that. And so Jesus kind of wants to set the record straight for us in regards to following him. And, and in some passages that we look at this morning, Jesus is going to say some things that are a little hard uh, for us to swallow uh, because we live in a, in a culture that promotes uh, what we might call easy believism or, or suggests that following Jesus is a bed of roses. 
what we want you to know is, and what Jesus wanted people to know is that following him costs something. And uh, we realize that there are people around the world today who uh, some are persecuted for their faith. Uh, some go and worship uh, on Sundays and knowing that uh, their lives could be in danger, they could be arrested. And, uh, and so it cost them something. And so verse 18, when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go to the other side. And so now he's going to cross uh, the Sea of Galilee and go to another city, another village. Uh, he was traveling around. And, uh, and verse 19 says, A scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I'll follow you wherever you go. Now we know the scribes were kind of the authorities uh, in regards to Jewish law. The scribes and Pharisees are closely associated with each other. This scribe would have been uh, very educated and, and very loyal to their religious traditions. And so for a scribe to want to be a follower of Jesus is, is a pretty big deal. And it would probably cost them something in regards to their position and their reputation. And uh, the fact that this scribe calls Jesus teacher is considerable. Most of the scribes and Pharisees, they didn't even like Jesus. Uh, they saw Jesus as a threat. Uh, but here comes one that wants to follow after Jesus. And uh, we know Jesus had some pretty rough disciples, uh, fishermen and tax collectors and the sorts. And so uh, maybe having an educated man in his group would, would be nice. But Jesus immediately points out the cost of being a disciple. The cost of being a disciple. Uh, we notice Jesus doesn't question the sincerity of this man. But he does share with them the cost of following him. He says, verse 20, Foxes have hoes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Now, uh, Jesus wasn't homeless. He, he didn't have a home himself, but he would stay with, with Peter or Mary, Martha, Lazarus. He was a, a missionary of sorts, and we know that he didn't try to accumulate earthly treasures uh, so the scribe comes and says, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus points out to him that following me might cost you, uh, it might cost you your personal comforts. And uh, Jesus realized that this man had never really stopped to consider uh, the fact that following Jesus, it might mean that you don't have a roof over your head or you might end up homeless. Uh, following Jesus would involve some self-denial. And uh, sometimes it requires us uh, to sacrifice some of our personal comforts, uh, even suffering sometimes. And so if you get the opportunity to share the gospel with someone, there's no need to, to sugarcoat it, and Jesus sure didn't. Uh, to his disciples in chapter 10, verse 16, he says, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Sheep in the midst of wolves. And so he says to his disciples, I'm sending you out there, but it's going to be a little dangerous. Paul said in 2 Timothy 3.12 that all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now, Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote, Salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you your life. And so we live in America, and we're not overly familiar with persecution. And, uh, but, but Jesus wanted uh, people to know that, that following him may cost you everything. And that's really why the, the health and wealth the prosperity gospel is so dangerous. It often says you come to Jesus and, and you'll get prosperity or wealth or a promotion or this or that. You, you come to Jesus and you're going to get other stuff and, and that's blasphemy. Uh, you come to Jesus and you get Jesus. You, you come to Jesus in faith, you get eternal life, but you don't come to Jesus to get other stuff. And uh, matter of fact, sometimes you have to give up some of that stuff. 
And so we come to Jesus to get Jesus. And uh, he is our treasure. And, and the truth is, if we lose everything else, including our life, and we have Jesus, then we win. And the good news is that he is good and he is worth it. And, uh, and so we, we read this account and we really don't have any indication of what this scribe decided to do. We don't hear about him later. And so he might have decided that the price of following Jesus was too much. And, and, and we know we don't always have to give up personal comforts uh, to follow Jesus. But if you did, would you be willing to, to follow him? Verse 21 says, Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Now, we read that and we think, well, that sounds like a pretty reasonable request. And, and then we get to 22, and Jesus' response is a little surpri surprising. I, I call it a perplexing commitment. And Jesus said to him, Follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. Now, a lot of discussion amongst scholars about about exactly what Jesus meant here, what this guy was asking. Uh, many feel like that he was asking for a delay uh, because his father was aged and he wants to be a good son and honor his father and attend to him up until his death and burial. And Others feel like, and if you go to Israel, they, they have these places where they where someone dies, they, put you, they, they end up putting your bones in this box and putting it in the wall. And apparently uh, a year or so after death, they would take the bones and bury them in the wall. And so there was this waiting period, about a year. And so some think that that's what this man was talking about. Basically, he's saying, I, I want to be your follower, but, but not now, maybe next year. Others think maybe the father wasn't dead yet. And uh, this guy basically wanted to wait for his inheritance and, and was saying, well, after my father dies and I'll get this inheritance and then I'll get serious about following you. And so I'm not sure, no need to, to speculate maybe, but regardless, Jesus' answer is pretty straightforward. Follow me and let the dead bury their own. In other words, I think the message for us is if you're going to follow me, Jesus says you need to put me first uh, above everything else. And uh, I think we have a tendency sometimes to water down the gospel, to make it as palatable as possible. Uh, Jesus says that if you're going to follow me, uh, you must realize that you have to give up some things and you have to put some things aside. And it might be your earthly priorities. It might be your possessions. Uh, it involves living according to his schedule and not our schedule. And uh, So the question we need to ask ourselves if we claim we want to be a follower of Jesus is, are you, am I, willing to let Jesus be our primary allegiance? R.C. Rao once said, Nothing has done more harm to Christianity than the practice of filling the ranks of Christ's army with every volunteer who is willing to make a little profession. We might say a half-hearted profession. And so what we find here is Jesus is not begging for followers. As a matter of fact, he's turning some of them away by saying, Before you follow me, you need to count the cost. And what we realize here is that he demands unconditional trust undivided allegiance from those who want to follow after him. And so uh, we notice that he didn't just, uh, he didn't say to this scribe, hey, you want to follow me? Well, it's easy as ABCs, pray this prayer. How much exactly do you want to get involved? No, he says you must be willing to give up everything, including your personal comforts, if need be. You must be willing to make me your primary allegiance. 
And that's what lordship means. Uh, it means that, that we want to follow Jesus. Whatever it may cost us, wherever it may take us, uh, we realize that he is the greatest treasure. And uh, Now, we live in a land that uh, tells us to have it all and to pursue the American dream and don't let anything stop you. And, and here comes along Jesus, and he says, listen, if you want to follow me, it's going to cost you something. And I think the most sobering part of this passage is that sometimes... Maybe often it doesn't seem to cost us much to be a follower of Jesus. And he doesn't say to everybody, you've got to sell everything. He did to the rich young ruler because his possessions were, were that important to him. Uh, he doesn't say we've got to live on the street if we're going to follow him. But we must be willing to surrender anything for the sake of following him. And uh, I mentioned yesterday when I look at the vast majority of people in our churches uh, around the land, most of them, many of them aren't willing to give up any personal comforts to follow Jesus. I mean, we want plush churches and padded pews or chairs and air conditioning, and we want to be close to the uh, to the building. If not, we got to get the golf carts, and we like to get a latte in the welcome center, and we like to get us in and out in an hour, and we want to be brief, and we don't want you to ask for too much, and you know, we got our own bills to pay, and we're not willing sometimes to give up much to follow Jesus. And to the second guy, he just says, I want to have first place in your life. And, uh, you know, sometimes Jesus doesn't make the top ten in our priorities. I, I wrote down some of the excuses that we hear. You know, I'll follow Jesus, uh, but right after my three weeks of vacation, summer baseball, fall soccer, right after deer season, right after I spend the summer at the lake, right after I work enough overtime to pay my bills, right after golf season, right after I graduate, right after I retire, right after this or that, and... Uh, I, I try not to be legalistic in my preaching, uh, and I, I don't want us to think that we have to. We're trying to add something to earn our salvation. Uh, I'm just trying to point out the fact that Jesus says it costs something to to follow Him. And uh, if you want to follow me, Matthew sixteen twenty four, Jesus says you got to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And, and I think maybe the bottom line is if there's anything that we hold more dearly than Jesus that becomes a barrier to having a relationship with him. That keeps us uh, from following him as, as Lord. And so uh, Jesus is looking for our unreserved commitment to follow him. And uh, We come to Christ on his terms, not ours. And, and uh, we don't just add him to a list of other things in our lives. He demands the position of Lord. And someone has said he's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. So, the cost of being a disciple. And then, uh, if you turn over to chapter 9, uh, we see this, the call of a disciple. And uh, chapter 9, verse 9, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said, follow me. And so, this Matthew here is the author of the gospel of Matthew. And so, uh, he was a tax collector. And Jesus called him to follow him. And this just reminds us that Jesus is no respecter of persons. Uh, he calls all people, regardless of their position or their occupation, or their, uh, they can be a tax collector or they can work for the IRS. They can uh, have a middle class, poor. Uh, they can be Democrat or Republican. And uh, I just remind us that uh, I think they'll be both in heaven. And so we better learn to love them uh, here on earth. Jesus associated with all kinds of people in order to call them to follow him. Now, 
some of the people that Jesus associated with is, are sinners, and the Pharisees point that out. And uh, the truth is, Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And uh, the church is to be a hospital for sinners rather than a resort for saints. And sometimes we like to make it a resort, but it's, it's for the sinners. And so notice this call to Matthew. Uh, again, Matthew's a tax collector. They were despised by the Jews. They were often dishonest and, and hated. And I love this. All this crowd is around Jesus, and he, he goes... Uh, they're flocking around him, and he makes a beeline to, to the tax collector's booth. And uh, here's a guy who most of them took advantage of, of God's people. by They worked for Rome. Uh, they would pad their own pockets. He goes to the tax collector's booth, goes to Matthew, and says, Matthew, follow me. And uh, the good news today is that Jesus pursues sinners. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for that because I'm a sinner and, and uh, he pursues us. Uh, Ephesians 1.4 says, Before the foundation of the world, God set his affections on us. He, the Father chose us in Christ and, and brought us into the family, made us a part of the bride of Christ. And uh, Listen, he called me just like he called Matthew, and I believe the, the Holy Spirit still pursues sinners today. Maybe he's calling you today to, to follow Jesus. So we talked about the cost of following Jesus. Uh, Matthew was going to leave behind some things. It says that he he uh, rose and followed. And by doing so, he would have given up this tax collector position. That was a pretty good gig. Uh, and so uh, most tax collectors were fairly wealthy because they would kind of strong arm the people and pad their own pockets. And if Matthew left that behind, I, I dare say it would be hard for a former tax collector to get a job because the people hated those guys. But Matthew was willing to leave all that behind, all the security, all the stuff. Verse 9 says that when Jesus said, follow me, uh, he rose and followed him. And listen, that, that ought to be your response today if, if you know that uh, God is calling you to, to follow him. And so Jesus pursues sinners. He summons them to follow him. And uh, we ought to respond. I would encourage you to respond just like Matthew did and, and uh, deny yourself and follow after Jesus. And if you've responded to God's call for salvation, I want you to notice the concern of disciples. Verse 10, And Jesus reclined at table in the house. This is Matthew's house. Behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. I, I think this is a beautiful picture of, of what it means to follow Jesus. Uh, Jesus calls Matthew. Matthew follows. Matthew has a desire for his friends to meet Jesus. And so he decides to have a banquet. He invites his friends. The tax collectors and sinners show up. Now, the Pharisees, the religious people, they, they, they didn't care for this. They, verse 11, when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples... That's Jesus' disciples. Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? You see, they saw these people as unclean, and they kept their distance from them. And, and uh, I just said, uh, you know, I, I hope that's never the case for, for our church. May, may we be a, a people who are, are so con that aren't so consumed with our rel religious activities that we, we stop trying to reach the outcast and the downtrodden and those who the world might label sinners. And uh, we, we'd be thrilled to be known as a church who welcomes sinners. Uh, I mean, the, 
the alcoholics and the prostitutes and the homosexuals. And listen, we, we don't love their lifestyles and, and we can teach and proclaim the truth, uh, but we're to love sinners because Jesus did. And uh, apart from God's grace, we might be in that kind of lifestyle. But God has shown mercy towards us and rescued us. And, and so we want to, to love and welcome sinners. Verse 12, uh, Jesus said, Those who are well have noted no need of a physician but those who are sick. And so more than a, that sick people need a doctor, sinners need a, a deliverer, a redeemer. They need Jesus. And uh, that's why Jesus came. And in verse 13, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Here, Jesus quotes from Hosea, uh, basically saying that I come to, to change the hearts of sinners. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Uh, listen, he didn't come to prop up people who were uh, who thought they were righteous by their religious traditions. No, Jesus came to change the hearts of sinners. And, and the good news this morning is that Jesus is still calling sinners to be saved. And, and uh, he offers that salvation to you. And, and so there's a cost. Uh, we know that our salvation, uh, there, was a, there was a heavy cost for that. Jesus had to come and give his life. And we know that he came and uh, lived a sinless life and went to the cross on the cross, he became sin. He took our sin. He paid our sin debt. And the payment was his life. And uh, we'll, in just a few moments, we'll celebrate uh, the Lord's Supper and be reminded of the body and blood of Jesus that was broken and blood that was shed. That was the cost uh, of our salvation. And so it cost Jesus everything. The Father willingly gave the Son. Uh, but then Jesus says, if you want to follow me, then there's a cost. You have to deny yourself. You have to turn from your sins and, and in humility come to Jesus. And uh, I said, there's like a, a throne room in our heart. And we sit on that and we make all the decisions and we do it our way. And if we want Jesus to be Lord, we, we basically invite him to come and sit on that throne room and, and make the calls. And so this morning, who is willing to respond like Matthew? Jesus called him follow me. And Matthew rose and followed. And he was willing to give up everything to follow Jesus. And that's the most important question. Are, are you willing to, to follow Jesus? He's worthy. Uh, do you hear his call? Would you follow him? Uh, and if you would, we, we'd love for you to just put a comment on there. We'd love to follow up with you on a decision to follow Jesus. We, we'd love to talk to you more about that. Uh, you can email me at, at uh, hbest at burlingtonbaptist.org and we'd love to talk to you about following Jesus. Well, let's pray and, and we'll prepare our hearts to observe uh, the Lord's Supper. Father, we just want to thank you that uh, you love us so much and you love us like no one else. You give mercy. Uh, Lord, you came to, to save sinners. Uh, you went to the outcast and the tax collectors and, and those who were considered the, the most vile. And uh, you showed love and grace. You invited them to follow you. And, and we thank you that you still pursue sinners. And uh, even through uh, a service, even an online service, you invite sinners to, to come and to follow you. And, and uh, we're reminded this morning that you're worthy of, of giving up everything. You're our treasure. And uh, you deserve the place of allegiance in our lives. And, uh, and so we, we pray that you would save some, and uh, we pray that uh, this morning we could remember what it costs you 
to, to save us and uh, prepare our hearts and remind us of the cross. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So hopefully uh, some of you have these uh, elements of the Lord's Supper. Uh, if you have them, we invite you to grab them and uh, take that top layer off first and you get this little wafer. And uh, this represents uh, the body of Jesus. Uh, Paul had some instructions for the church. And he said that uh, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Verse 25 says, in the same way, he also took the cup after supper. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as oft as you drink in remembrance of me. And so this juice represents the, the blood of Jesus that was shed for our sins. I invite you to partake of it. All right. Father, we thank you for giving your son Jesus for us. Thank you for the cross and for taking my sins and paying the price, taking the wrath that I deserve. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. and I thank you that Jesus would die for me. And I thank you for those that are listening today. And I pray that they'll be encouraged by remembering how much you love them. And uh, even not only do you love us, not only did you die to save us, uh, but you're going to come back for us one day and, and we'll be forever with you. I pray you'd give us a heart like Matthew to tell others uh, about Jesus. And uh, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you so much for, for joining us this morning. We invite you to share this service if it be an encouragement to someone. And uh, we hope to see you soon. Thanks. <laughs>